Thank you for joining today, Robin. How are you? I'm doing all right, Akshay. Thanks for uh, setting this up. I'm glad to get a chance to talk to you. It's an interesting time. I am curious, given your, so the work that you're doing, and it's been a fun couple of years for healthcare in general. Could you take a couple minutes to talk about two or three things that you're seeing in the industry that uh, you think are really sort of important and um, why why you think they're relevant to the world? Certainly. I mean, I think that's a, a tough question because the healthcare industry is pretty broad. Um, but I'll speak to um, the pharmaceutical industry in particular, which is part of the reason, part of the changes in the, the healthcare industry are the reason that brought me to Kellogg in the first place. Um, I was quite interested in un- better understanding the way that my business works, given the challenges that we saw with access for patients to medicines, particularly as it relates to affordability in the United States. So I think one big trend that we're seeing in the industry is going to relate to affordability. Another area that we're starting to see quite a bit of shift and change is delivery of patient care. And in particular, what I mean in context of the pharmaceutical industry is with new technology, we're starting to see more and more opportunities for for digital solutions for how technology um, starts to get integrated in the care for patients. Um, so that relates to things like how we actually provide our products to patients, but also how our patients and their physicians are able to monitor their progress with things like apps on their phone or even their Apple Watch. Um, so those two big trends, which is kind of shifts in access and change in technology for patient care two areas that I think have been really interesting in the industry. Um, so I'll pause there to answer any questions you have about that. I think that's a, those are kind of two areas just to take a look at. That's really interesting. Thanks for the overview. If you were to think about a couple of things that most people don't know about pharmaceutical or the pharmaceutical industry, that you wish they knew before they started commenting and being experts in social media, what would that be? Um, I think with the pharmaceutical industry, there's a lot of myths. Um, but one, one of the most common myths that I'll hear uh, in relation to the industry and we experience quite a bit is this idea um, that the pharma industry doesn't do basic, uh, doesn't do kind of health research. Um, There's a lot of belief among some individuals that most of the research is happening in hospitals and the pharmaceutical industry is just selling the research that was done by universities. Um, But in fact, much of the scientific research that that relates to advances in science care is happening in the industry or through partnerships from the industry with hospitals. Um, So that's one kind of popular misconception. Uh, Another misconception or topic to talk about as well is in relation to how the pharmaceutical industry actually delivers its medicines. I think many people think of the pharmaceutical industry as being the main player that's setting the price of medicine, 
And certainly the pharmaceutical company in the United States is responsible for setting the price and working with uh, pharmaceutical benefit providers and healthcare insurance companies to ensure that patients get access to that medicine. Um, but in the United States, uh, I think many people just assume it's the pharmaceutical company and kind of the patient, maybe the healthcare insurance company is involved as well. So there's kind of a broader context to understand the role of pharmaceutical benefit providers uh, and kind of the whole network of the chain of delivery to get those medicines to market for the patient to have access to them. Yeah, it was really interesting um, learning about some of that from Craig's class. Um, did you did you think that you would end up in pharma? I, I don't know if I remember having this conversation with you. Um, pharma is an interesting place to end up. Um, yeah. So, what inspired you there and what keeps you there? That's a great question. Um, I never thought I would end up in pharma. I think what actually brought me to the pharma industry was an interesting career path. Um, there was actually an interest in public policy and Latin American studies. Uh, I was in Washington, D.C., learning about trade and intellectual property. Um, I thought I might want to go to the State Department or work for the U.S. trade representative at the time. And while I was living in D.C. and studying about, about um, trade agreements, I connected with individuals in my company, Lilly's uh, Digital, uh, in our government affairs office. Um, at the time, they were looking for someone to help support uh, work, and they needed some students that they'd be willing to pay to kind of work for going to the trade and different um, pharma association events in D.C. And I was just really interested. So I raised my hand and I joined the group. And push came to shove a few months later. They were starting to launch a blog and they needed someone that was kind of, oh, they're young and smart. Uh, we need, they needed someone to write content for them uh, about trade and intellectual property. And there I was in the office and available to start kind of writing and blogging for them. So to be quite honest, it was um, just a luck of events that brought me into the industry. Um, I think what keeps me there is, uh, first of all, it, I work for a company that I think really passionately believes um, that we're making life better for patients. Um, we connect our purpose to what we do every day. And that keeps it, makes it very easy to see kind of the connection of the work that we do as it relates to people's health. Also, I have a background in health in my family. Um, I have a lot of healthcare providers and people who work in the health industry in my family. So it's always felt very natural, I think, to be involved in the health industry. Um, so it feels like it's a, a place that I enjoy working um, and I, I enjoy learning about the topics related to health and providing solutions for patients to get access to health in pharma. That's super cool. I, I always think of pharma as being a place that you're not allowed to make mistakes. Um, and so may, maybe you've never made a mistake sort of professionally, uh, in which case this is a boring question on that angle. But I was curious what, what sort of the best mistake or your favorite learning lesson that you can think about that set you up for a lot of success? Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Well, that's a great question. And I, I can't speak for um, many people in pharma, but I would say we, there, there are a lot of mistakes. We make a lot of mistakes, um, or at least I make a lot of mistakes. I feel like I'm learning every day. And I was just talking to a colleague uh, who's a mentor uh, on just a couple days ago, and he reminded me, he said, Robin, this is a learning organization. We can only get better if we learn. So it, it reminds me that I think we are open to mistakes and we have to embrace them and prepare to kind of move on. When you ask me about the biggest mistake that I've had, it depends, I guess, on the context. I, I've definitely had a number of fumbles over the years, but I think that some of my bigger mistakes are related to very early on being a bit naive in thinking that we would be able to accomplish something like launching a website very quickly um, without too much red tape. Uh, so I would make mistakes in estimating the amount of work required and thus the timeline to get things out the door, which as you may know in the pharma industry, review of content that goes out the door and is shared outside the company is very, um, it's, it's often scrutinized by a number of eyes. Uh, and there's often lots of discussion about, should we say this or should we say that? And I think early on, particularly in my career, I kind of tried to keep pushing things through, um, being a bit of, probably you see this with a lot of people who are early in their career, just enthusiasm and feeling like this is the way we should do it. We should move forward. I wouldn't say that I necessarily have completely lost that perspective, but now um, as I've come along a little further in my career, I'm starting to come around to the perspectives I heard of the people who were mid-career and talking to me at the time, recognizing that maybe there's good reason to pause and take a look at what we're saying and make sure we're saying the right thing. So I guess I would say I've just grown up through the organization and a lot of the mistakes that I've had have been things that the wisdom of my uh, colleagues who had more experience, uh, maybe I would have listened to them a little faster <laughs> earlier on. Hmm. How do you impart that to people who um, are like you were once, very young, very eager? Um, how do you teach someone to sort of slow down and, and sort of look at the context, feel the pulse of the organization? Something that I've started to spend a lot of time doing is mentoring our uh, new team members as they come on board. I was lucky enough to have a, an incredible mentor when I first started. Uh, she has since left the company, but she taught me a lot about the importance of mentorship and kind of what coaching can look like. And I've taken those learnings and I try and share them with my, my new colleagues uh, who are just joining the organization. Sometimes those are people who are kind of young and fresh straight out of school. And other times those are people who have 10 or 15 years of experience in another industry and are coming over to the pharma industry. But what I try and do is share with them as much context as possible, um, share patience and, and help them kind of see what it is that we're trying to accomplish, while at the same time making sure we don't lose their unique perspective. Because part of the reason we, particularly for those mid-career hires that we bring into the organization, Part of the value of bringing them in is that they haven't grown up through pharma and may not be prone to the same way of operating that our businesses. They're, they have a difference in the cult. They 
operate differently as far as the culture. Um, so I think it's both a balance of trying to mentor them and provide that support, but also getting out of their way and letting them go and just empower them to help shift the culture in the places where that might need to happen too. As you think about mentoring and, and guiding other people, is there a favorite quote or um, philosophy or principles that you lean on to sort of form the bedrock of how you think about these things? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I wish I had a, a good author to quote with a pithy answer. Um, but I, what I'll tell you is I think my philosophy is that um, we're always there to provide support. Um, I think it's important with our new colleagues who are coming in. I, I always aim to be there to support them, to help give them the guidance that they need and also to support them by kind of cheering for them along the way. Um, so I would consider myself just a very supportive leader. And that would be kind of the main principle of how I try and lead in our organization. Is there something that you do or sort of lean on that's um, others would find unusual or absurd, but that you get a lot of joy out of? Let's see. Do you mean um, at work or in? In life. In life. It's <laughs> um, a good question. I think I really particularly like to spend a lot of time doing yoga. I think we've talked about that a little bit. Um, for some people, even in, for some people, it's something that they enjoy and love too. And for others, it's uh, maybe not their preferred way of spending time. Um, but I, I definitely have found that yoga is a habit that has helped me in kind of staying centered. I, I think that uh, it, it helps me feel more comfortable. And so it's something I really enjoy doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I tend to do either vinyasa or Jivamakuta style, Jivamakuti style yoga, which are kind of more flow yoga, um, tends to be uh, just a little, I try and find studios that are a little bit cerebral. And what I mean by that is they spend some time giving, they give you time to reflect on your day and, and different things to think about, not just doing the physical movements. I have done a lot of different yogas in the past. I've never done goat yoga or um, kitten yoga, which I've seen pictures of. Um, but those are things maybe I'll have to try sometime. I hear that that's a, a fun activity, although I think I might be distracted wanting to pet the kittens. Um, if you think about one thing outside of yoga that's improved your life significantly, what, what, would, you, what would you say it was? Um, currently I would reflect on studying. Um, I think both the graduate work, undergraduate work in Kellogg, um, all, all of our time together at Kellogg has really helped me kind of try and think about different concepts and apply them, um, to the, to the world. I certainly, I'm still kind of 
a bit in that student mode where I things become very philosophical and I'm interested to think about the context of those topics in relation to the, the world that I'm experiencing. But um, I think that it's just such a gift to have the opportunity to study, learn more about the world around you. Um, I'm a very curious person and I just, I find that the more time I can spend reading or learning and kind of seeing the context of studies like what we're learning in class at school apply in the real world, it really gets me kind of jived and engaged and interested and wondering if that's typically the case. Is this a unique example? Um, might we be seeing some differences in the future? So it, it's kind of provokes quite an interesting thought process thinking about how everything fits together. Hmm. And it's probably hard to do stuff outside of Kellogg and work, but are, are there any books on your nightstand that you're really uh, enjoying or looking forward to enjoying once this is over? Yes, I have a long, I have a pretty big stack of books, actually. Um, they're, they're not on my nightstand. They're in a bookcase uh, in our guest room, which are just essentially kind of the books I'd like to get reading um Natul Agande is a, an author um who I've been just starting to read and or I started to I guess before school and so I have a couple of books um and I would say I think I'm really looking forward to reading more fiction <laughs> um but I I need to start making myself a reading list uh to get to enjoy on the other side of uh class yeah, uh, I would love to have like a Kellogg reading list. That'd be really interesting. That sounds great. You think we could organize that? We'd be neat to have a book club. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So let, let's think about that. Maybe that's uh, that's another project for us after the podcast. Sure. That sounds wonderful. I'd love to help with that. Um I think I could definitely benefit from your recommendations. I'd love to hear what you're reading and our, the rest of our classmates. I think it'd be really interesting to hear and keep, it'd be a fun way to stay in touch. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Um, this is so much fun.